It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today we are preparing for the Bengals to take on the Oakland Raiders and Joe we know what this game is so let's get through the news and notes and then figure out what we're going to talk about for the rest of the show shall we? Yeah that sounds good. We'll start with the injury news for the Bengals. Some good news as Alex Erickson goes from did not practice to full participant in practice on Thursday. He sounds like he's probably going to be questionable, but on track to play. On the other hand, Alex Redmond goes from a limited participant in practice to a DNP. And the surprise was Geno Atkins dealing with a knee injury didn't practice today. And that's not good news. No, they can't afford to lose Geno Atkins, although... For most of the year, he's been pretty silent, having a down year for the first time in a long time since recovering from that original ACL injury many years ago. But now that he, it seems like we're hitting that area of his career where he may be on the other side of the fence, where he's slowly uh, turning into maybe the, the final stages of his career, another injury and another reason to slow him down is not a great sign for the Bengals. And number one, because they don't have anybody else to replace him. Ryan Glasgow went on IR two weeks ago. Andrew Brown, I believe, only had six snaps last week. They really don't have somebody with that athleticism inside. And number two, he is still their best player. And not having him on an 0-9 team already obviously doesn't help. AJ Green's already missed the whole season. Andy Dalton regressed to the point of getting benched. And now Geno Atkins might miss this week, too. Hard to say what his status will be. We didn't really get very many specifics about the injury. Probably find out more tomorrow. And we'll see if he plays this weekend. But if he can't go, that's the Bengals' two best players without question in AJ Green and Geno Atkins who won't be able to play. And that leaves not a whole lot of NFL-caliber talent on this team and certainly no excellent players on the field. So... Not looking very good for the Bengals' hopes of getting their first win of the season, especially if Geno doesn't play going to Oakland this weekend, where Oakland's been a pretty good team. And they're looking healthy enough, all things considered, led by Derek Carr in John Gruden's resurgent offense out there. Could be tough for the Bengals. Will be tough for the Bengals, but even harder without Geno playing. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Looking at this team being 0-9 right now, even if Atkins is a minor injury and he could play or play through it, it's probably not worth forcing him to go out there. If yeah. there is some type of shadow tank or a legitimate tank, then even more reason to not put him out there. And maybe we see that this week where they just say, you know what, we know who you are. There's no reason for you to go out there. Uh, take the week off. I feel like for all these guys that are veterans that are still playing up to what you expect them to play and that's Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, I would say Tyler Boyd, 
there's no reason to rush these guys back if they do sustain injuries this year. And I think we saw that a little bit with Dunlap earlier. We're seeing it with A.J. Green, obviously. There's no reason to throw A.J. Green out there if he's not 100%. And I agree, take the same approach with Geno Atkins. The other news today going around in the NFL, and this has been going on all week, Colin Kaepernick has a workout on Saturday. There were 13 teams, I believe, on the initial list that are planning to attend his workout, led by former Bengals coach Hugh Jackson, of all people. But the Bengals weren't on that list after one Vegas sportsbook made them the initial favorite to sign Kaepernick. Of course, that sportsbook cited Kaepernick as a, quote, troubled player, and Mike Brown is a guy that gives troubled player second chances and i don't see where colin kaepernick is troubled but regardless i don't think they'll be favorites after that list came out no and it's probably because the Bengals have a small scouting department they can't really can't afford to send a quarter of it to go see colin kaepernick but the nfl did say they will make video of that workout and his interview available for all 32 teams to review It's just really bizarre, the whole thing. It's not clear to anybody who set it up. Sounds like this is something maybe Kaepernick's been asking for for quite a while. He, maybe three years. And then suddenly, he had two hours on Tuesday to either accept or decline this offer from the NFL to get a workout together five days later. The NFL initially was going to release a list of teams that were going. Then they said they weren't going to release a list of teams. Then today they did release a list of RSVP names. So the whole thing is just bizarre. And if you can count on the NFL for anything, I would say it would be to screw this up. Yeah, it already seems like there was maybe not the best effort to put together a fair opportunity. And I don't want to say that because at the same time, um, it's three years since he's played. So on one hand, while he should have been playing or somewhere in the NFL for the last three years, now at this point to just say, yeah, we'll all come out and watch you. Seems disingenuous, and if if he looked good, if he doesn't, the narrative is going to be shifted and pushed that way. And we're three years past when he played last. It's just all very bizarre at this point, but we'll find out what happens with that on Saturday, a day before the Bengals play Oakland. And Joe, yeah, the Bengals are going to play Oakland, but what are we going to talk about for the rest of the show here? Are we going to talk about what's going on out there, or, or what do we want to do? Um, I guess we can talk about. You know, I think I'm more interested in what other players are doing. There was a question yesterday that someone asked if we can get an evaluation of Justin Herbert, which I never really got further in besides my uh, report on The Athletic. I think we should talk about the the Raiders game, obviously, because there are people who still care care about this game, whether that's win-lose or how players play. So we can at least do that, and then we can just bat around some stuff for the last segment. All right, we'll get into the Raiders game next here, and boy... As as I feel like I've asked every week, where is that sim season button? Why, why can't I skip this part? Attention past, present, and future MyBookie players. During Thanksgiving week, MyBookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. I know this is a Bengals podcast, but this is free money. Choose a team against the spread for up to $250, and if you win, congratulations, you've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose... Well, congratulations to you as well because MyBookie will give you all your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally can't lose. It's no risk, all gravy, Joe. Just log on to MyBookie.ag and make your first deposit with promo code Locked On, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll, and that's on top 
of the risk-free bet. Let me repeat, that's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply cannot lose. Go over to mybookie.ag, make your deposit with promo code locked on for that free deposit match. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Com. Promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. First thing that jumps out at me when I'm looking at the Raiders depth chart, and I talked about this a little bit on the uh, Crossover Wednesday podcast with Q Myers, but Jake, I wanted to get your take, and because we did a lot of draft stuff, obviously, and we graded players. Raiders didn't come out very highly for us when we first did this. They're getting a lot of snaps and production from rookies. Not only Josh Jacobs, that's running away with Offensive Rookie of the Year, in my opinion. Alec Ingold is their fullback. He's a college free agent. But they're also getting a nice blocking tight end to pair with Darren Waller and Foster Moreau. And someone that we definitely liked and liked in the range with Drew Sample also. Uh, they also have Hunter Renfro at receiver helping out in the, in the slot. He's, you know, being their... Uh, their go-to guy in a lot of ways, and especially last week. I don't know if you watched that game, but both ends, Cleland Farrell and Max Crosby have both helped. And then at corner, Trayvon Mullen, they also have their punter is a rookie. That's a lot of rookie production and help for a team that looks like they're going to be battling for a wild-card spot, just to compare it to the Bengals. Even though the Bengals are 0-9, it's not even like they can dip into any of these rookies and pull them out, especially with Jonah Williams and now Drew Sample being hurt. It's Pratt getting forced to play now, and it seems more of like, a, okay, I guess we got to play him because nobody else is stepping up rather than he's actually grabbing that starting position. It does look like the players that they've lost are hurting them, though. Like, if they had Khalil Mack on this defense, that makes us a very different team. Of course, they wouldn't have all sure. the draft picks that they had, but the defense right. has not been great. Like, I can't really name a player off the top of my head on this defense. So Marcus Joyner. I named one. He's been pretty bad for them this year, I think. How about Maurice Hurst? Sure. Yeah, he's on my shadow team. How's he been this year? He, okay. Not okay. as not as impactful as last year, but, I mean, stat-wise, he's still getting uh, accumulating, I should say. Yeah, I'm reading this article right now on PFF. Four hours ago, PFF puts out, in a timely manner for this podcast and the Bengals' opponent this week, the reasons the Raiders have a shot at a postseason run. And they're talking about 
skill players exceeding expectations, talking about Darren Waller primarily, but imagine if they still had Amari Cooper there too. Sure. The way Derek Carr is playing this year. Again, they wouldn't have had the draft picks, whatever they use those on, but according to PFF, Derek Carr is playing like a top five quarterback this year, which, I mean, credit to John Gruden because yeah. he's we, we made a lot of fun about the way that they approached this team this season. The, even the Antonio Brown move that backfires on him but imagine if he doesn't lose his mind yeah then that, that would move, be a really good offense yeah it looks great right offensive lines better on the back of Richie Incognito who much yep. like his former teammate John Jerry was a former bully who missed a year and came back and is playing really well except John Jerry isn't playing really well do you um, think Jim Turner is going to give Incognito a big hug before the game sure yeah. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Wonder. He'll probably have a nice present waiting shit. for him in the locker room. Oh, yeah. Good one. I, I know where you're going with that. I wonder how Brian Callahan feels, though. He left the Raiders. Uh, Derek Carr wasn't playing very well. Yeah. Now, you know, he's playing. That's He's having his career high year, his, his high mark. And I, I wonder if, uh, not saying Callahan held him back in any way. I just wonder if, you know, he's looking at it like, wow, that guy, you know, he's really playing much better than he was with me. Yeah, that's an interesting point. He was the quarterback coach in Oakland yeah. before he became the offensive coordinator for Cincinnati. So that is a fair point. I think it's worth pointing out here real quick that top five quarterback this year for PFF doesn't necessarily mean a lot. Derek Carr has had a terrible year as a rusher. Apparently he hasn't run the ball very much, but that's dragging down his overall grade. So by overall grade, which includes running, Derek Carr is only a top 12 guy. If you if you look at only his passing numbers, then he's closer to top five. But the the top five numbers for quarterback play aren't terribly impressive for PFF this year, just to throw that context out there. I think that makes me feel much more comfortable with this because I don't think Carr is a top five guy. No. You know, I, I would struggle to say he's a top 10 guy. But if he's having a top 12 year Passing the ball, I can completely get that. But how the league has definitely changed where you can't uh, just be a thrower. Right. You know, he's playing well. They're 5-4, and four, I believe it is. But he's going to get beat by, I would think, a Lamar Jackson, a Deshaun oh, yeah. Watson, and a, a Pat Mahomes if that if that matchup comes up in the playoffs. So, And I just think it's because those guys can create. So, yeah, he may be better passer than a lot of those guys at this point or i should only say maybe even jackson if that's even the case but as a combined player at quarterback those three and those teams should end up beating the raiders i mean it is fair to point out i think that he's completing nearly 71 percent of his passes only thrown four picks that's pretty good more than halfway through the season so not to say that he's not having a good year because he has the the stats are there the the Numbers are there to back it up. So Derek Carr has definitely taken a bit of a leap this year, and that's without the weapons we thought he'd have. So, you know, good for him, I think, is a moral was... story. But I, I agree with you, just to close this thought out, the the guys at the top of the league, the MVP candidates that we're talking about, Russell Williams, or sorry, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, some people still talking about Aaron Rodgers. They're all running the ball better, including Aaron Rodgers. And then right. you throw Deshaun Watson in the mix, too. And, and all those guys, Dak Prescott, they're all running the ball really well on top of creating with their arm. We're having a really, really, again, um, a high water mark for quarterback play. It continues to be on an upward trend for the last 20 years or so where the average quarterback rating 
20 years ago was in 84. And then in 05, I shouldn't say that, uh, 2015, when Andy Dalton had his crazy year, if you look statistically, that was the best passing year ever for quarterbacks. And so that probably contributed to Dalton being up there and having his best year. But also, I think we're having that again. The average quarterback rating now is up at 93, where it was 89, I believe, the year Andy Dalton, uh, 2015. So it's increasing steadily. I don't know how you slow it down. I don't know if you want to slow it down. I just think it means, for me, that's how I've come to the conclusion of guys that can play off script are much more valuable in today's NFL because every quarterback is playing well. And I think there is a bit of a dip this year compared to last year, maybe not in QB rating, but in a lot of other places there is, I think, a league-wide, and maybe we should look at this before I start making sweeping claims. I'm just looking at the top performers and it looks like yards per attempt is down a hair this year to me. It looks like completion percentage is down a hair to me this year. Patrick Mahomes, despite his 18 touchdowns and one interception, not playing as well, according to PFF, not nearly as well as he did last year. So the consistency, I think, for Mahomes hasn't been there. He's, he's dealing with the injury, too, so that, I'm sure, is a significant factor. But quarterback play generally, pretty interesting. And we'll get to see another totally different style than what the Bengals have played this year. Because they've played against Wilson, Jackson. They're going to avoid Watson this year, thankfully. But they've played all these guys that are really mobile. And and Derek Carr, not not that. So that'll be an opportunity for the pass rush to maybe get off the ground this year for the first time in ever, all year, maybe? Right. And that's the thing about that was always been the thing with Derek Carr is he's not the most mobile guy. And when you can get him to go off script and force him to hold that ball a little bit longer is when you get the worst version of him. But I've seen a bunch of plays this year where that didn't seem to affect him or hasn't affected him. And that's when I was like, wow, you know, Derek Carr is having that that year. I watched the game last week versus the Lions and I was just so impressed. In fact, I don't know if you saw any of the highlights from Jeff Driscoll and throwing to Marvin Jones. I was like, wow, we didn't get this version of Jeff Driscoll in Cincinnati at all. He had um, a handful of very, very nice plays. He had some moments, too, when he looked like Jeff Driscoll in Cincinnati. But For sure. Yep. That's what you get with Jeff Driscoll. That's who he is, so that, that shouldn't surprise us at all. So what else, Joe, in this Raiders game? Josh, Jack, Josh, what's his name? Jacobs. Jacobs. I'm excited to watch him play, even though I didn't know his name, because he's been extraordinary this year. And I've only seen highlights so far, so seeing a game of him is going to be fun. What about the Bengals? We got Darquez Denard for the second game in a row. That's great. Carl Lawson supposed to play again. That That's exciting. I hope and, I notice him. And Yeah, I hope I hope to notice both of those guys in, in a positive Sam, way. Sam Hubbard kicked uh, Colton Miller's ass last year. Was that two and a half sacks last year? I'd like to see if, you know, Miller's taking a step. He was a developmental guy. They knew he was going to be bad last year, Mm -hmm. Uh, but he's taking a step this year. I want to see now it's a good comparable. Like, like that was one guy who's not ready completely, and they knew he wouldn't be in Miller versus Sam Hubbard, who pretty much everyone who evaluated him said uh, high floor, maybe low ceiling type guy. So, of course, he beat him last year. Now let's see what they look like year two. Nice to get that matchup again to say – Okay, is Miller catching up to Hubbard? Has he surpassed him? Did Hubbard keep pace in the in the development? So seeing that again, I, I think uh, that's something I might want to review and, and write about. And some other fun games this week, too, in case you're looking for other things to watch. And we've got uh, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. 
That's great. If you want to watch the, the quarterback play. Yeah, the Bengals don't play till 4.30 this week if you're on the East Coast for me. Uh, so, yeah, we got some decent games to watch. That's I can't not watch the Ravens. Is that bad as a Bengals fan? Like, I usually hate all division teams and can't stand to watch them or lose every single time I watch them. But there is something about watching the Ravens and Lamar Jackson where I go, you know what, just just shove it down their throats, Lamar. I mean, Lamar Jackson was a, was a draft guy for us. He was a draft yeah. favorite. And That's... the Bengals are not competitive. I think if the Bengals were six and three or whatever, maybe it's not as fun to watch the division rivals if they're like, you know what, we can beat. Maybe we they split with the Ravens this year. Then it's like, yeah, I hope the Ravens lose. But right now, it's it's fun. It's, we're we're in the mode of like we want fun quarterbacks. That's how I. That's where I am, anyways. I want to watch fun quarterbacks play football. I don't want to watch Ryan Finley throw in a five yard radius around the center. Yeah. You know. And someone pointed that out today as, you know, May- Mayfield and Jackson were drafted the same year. So was Mason Rudolph, if Rudolph ends up being the guy for the Raiders. But if the Bengals hit on this quarterback that they're more than likely to take at the top of the draft next year, this could be a really fun division again in a year or two. And if that's if Mayfield pans out, eh, he's having a sophomore slump. I still, you know, think he's going to be fine. As a, Browns have their own issues, and we'll talk about them once the Bengals even play them. But Lamar Jackson right now is the best quarterback in the division, but I don't think he's, you know, when I watch him, he's talented, the offense works, but I still feel like there's room for someone else to challenge the Ravens and say, you know, we can put up 30 points, now let's see how this game unfolds when you guys don't have a 15-point-plus lead for the Ravens. You know, if you put that offense out there and make them throw it, and a more drop-back passing, as the Bengals struggled all year this year. I'd like to see the Ravens in that situation. They just haven't been in there so much at all because they get out so quickly to a lead. You looked at at this week, they didn't even run the ball the first drive. They go down three plays, 70-something yards, and they're up seven points, and uh, quickly this game was out of hand with the Bengals. So, you know, I'd like to see this. That's why Deshaun Watson versus Lamar Jackson should put both both of these quarterbacks under the spotlight, put a little pressure on both of them. Yeah, I mean, neither defense in that game is really going to be able to stop the respective offenses, right? Right. I would say advantage Baltimore because they have a better secondary. Yep. And J.J. Watt isn't playing. Think of those receivers. That's a good matchup, actually, because I don't know if Will Fuller's playing, but Hopkins, Kenny Stills. Yeah. I mean, that's they've got a lot of good receivers for Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson continues to just put his team on his back every week and drag him across yep. the finish line. So I think that'll be a very fun game. Let's get back to the Bengals for just another second here. Leland Farrell is a name that I'm just going to have an eye on. He hasn't been great. He has certainly not lived up to his fourth-round status, but I've heard some people, I feel like, talking about that he's starting to turn a corner a little bit, starting to play a little bit better as he's getting toward the end of his rookie season. Did you and Q talk about Farrell at all? You know, I actually didn't get a chance to ask him about him because I would have liked to. I usually like to ask about the rookies or young players for them. Uh, originally, I was thinking this could be Cleveland Farrell versus Jonah Williams part two. You know, when we first were looking at the schedule, and we're not going to get that, obviously. So we'll get Cleveland Farrell versus whoever the Bengals are trotting out there at left tackle. Yeah, so this might be an opportunity for Farrell, putting it yep. that way, to break out in what's been a relatively rough rookie campaign. He's had major tackling issues looking at PFF right now. He has not been very effective as a pass rusher. For a guy that was picked fourth overall, I mean, this is one pick later than, or maybe two picks later than Chase Young might go this year. 
That is far from the same kind of impact. I mean, even comparing him to last year's draft class, Nick Bosa going just right. a couple picks before him, not even close. Josh Allen, Brian Burns, both have been really good for their respective teams. Uh, it's yeah, you. We knew it at the time of that pick. I remember. Remember how excited we were when they took Cleveland Farrell. Uh, we were like, "Wow, we're gonna get." one of the nine guys we had circled basically and then daniel jones pushed that last guy to us but uh yeah we that was the one that stood out to everyone and it's no surprise so far he hasn't been great actually max crosby uh, we liked him a little bit more than Mm -hmm. uh the consensus he's been playing really well for the raiders but every time i put that on or i have the raiders on he's the one who jumps out as their pass rusher and guy who does something on third downs yeah and this benson mayoa yeah, I don't he know used who to, that is. He played for the Raiders, then he got traded to the Cowboys like three years ago. Played for the Cowboys as a rotational piece, ended up back with the Raiders. Yeah, so he has been good for the Raiders. He's their best pass rusher. He has eight sacks this year on 145 pass rushes, so he's been pretty efficient when he's been on the field. He's not an every-down player. He's almost exclusively a pass rusher, so we'll only see mm-hmm. him in nickel situations, but he's been their most disruptive pass rusher besides Maurice Hurst, who... Hasn't quite lived up to the pre-draft hype, but has well, been solid. It went in the fifth round, though, you know, with that heart issue. Remember he was dropping. I still, they should have taken him in the fifth round. Bengals should have, but. Anybody. Um, right, sure, anyone should have. And they ended up being the Raiders. That's how it works. But remember back in the day, the Bengals used to make that pick for sure. And that was how they got Andrew Billings, I guess. Yeah. Speaking of Andrew Billings, he's the last man standing at defensive tackle. He's good, too, and he's young still. I think he should be in line for an extension, although the run defense has been so poor. You know, I think fault. No, I think the biggest issue is middle linebacker, and I want to point some finger at Geno Atkins in run defense because he isn't the same guy. Uh, they're not getting any of those penetrating-type slashing plays to really take away that backside run or, or really uh, really blow up any plays on uh, you know before they can get started. Billings is a nose tackle type, and every time you put on the tape, he is just throwing somebody around and dominating someone. Yeah. I mean, to defend Geno, though, real quick, there's no linebackers to fill holes. <laughs> I understand just, that. They're, they're playing well, without linebackers. The biggest thing for me to throw on Geno is that he just doesn't rip through the line anymore and cause havoc in the backfield. I mean, yeah, but that's like saying, I don't know, your 10-year-old Ferrari only goes 0 to 60 in five seconds now instead of four. It'd be nice to have those, though. When we were watching Aaron Donald, I said, yeah, Gino used to do that stuff. He's What, what do you want He's from older. a 32-year-old? I, all I'm saying is that now it's a need. It Bengals Absolutely. need to get a backup to Gino. They I mean, have needed for the last few years, but they definitely need to. Yeah, I was just going to say, we've been talking about this for, feels like, a very long time. They need to address that position at some point. They've been spoiled. Yeah. And they they have hit some solid players on the defensive interior, but nobody that comes close to the disruptiveness that they have in Geno Atkins. And on the whole, two years in a row, we, we let ourselves fool, fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. You're not going to fool me again. The Two years in a row, the, the Bengals' defensive line has not played up to our expectations. And this year we had some signs in preseason. We thought they'd make it and just fall on their face again. Yeah, nothing. I mean, it's really a shame that if, if this is Atkins falling off the career cliff, if you will, or getting close to it, and maybe he has two, three productive years left in, in terms of a rotational or um, solid starter and Dunlap 
Paul Denner wrote about, like, they could just cut him if they don't find a trade partner. Uh, that kind of made me sad because they just extended him last year. At the very least, I would think you can get something for him. Uh, if not, Hubbard hasn't been great. I know a lot of fans want to annoy him and, and, you know, say he's good. But let's be honest, he's just been okay. Um, and Carl Lawson has been so disappointing this year. I know he's, de- he's coming back from an injury. He's dealt with other injuries. But he's a ghost out there. He's just he has not made an impact. And from camp reports of him just tearing it up and looking like his old self. I mean, I remember PFF and other people were this guy's breakout player of the year candidate type. You know, because the D line should have been able to take over more opportunities, more games, and they just have not. And the defensive line's defense, I guess, even though I just called them out to start this <laughs> conversation. I mean, they've been behind yes. all year, so. It is, in a sense, tough to, but this is the same excuse we had last year. On the other yeah. hand, like, I, and and you only get excuses for so long. I feel like you can take maybe five, six drives from this season and say the game is within seven points, yeah. or the Bengals are tied or leading. Look how the defensive line is playing, and I bet every single time you're going to see the defensive line play different. It, I don't remember which website had it, but there was like true pass rush opportunities, mm-hmm. not just snaps against uh, against the pass true yeah. pass rush opportunities i bet the Bengals got to be at the bottom of the league they're not even you're not giving these guys a real chance to rush the pass or impact the game when you're playing reactive the entire time yeah i mean part of that's on the defense too of course giving up 14 points is, i mean the Raiden ravens hardly had to punt the ball or did they punt the ball they did in the fourth quarter i think at some point or was that just an interception <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, it might have been just the interception. I don't remember them punting. No, they had, Alex Erickson wasn't out there. No, I don't remember them punting. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm just looking for the Bengals to start doing something like the Dolphins. Find individuals who are playing better. Like, find something the rest of the year. Find a couple guys who just step up for the last five, six weeks of the year here. and I Take mean, a guess. Who would it be then? I say somebody reverts either to their previous form or takes a step. Can you pick a guy in offense, defense, that you're like, okay, it might be this guy? William Jackson on defense? I was going to say him also. And I was also going to say maybe Jesse Bates because his numbers have been steadily increasing. I've wanted to say Jesse Bates, but like, right. I, just, I, I just feel like Lou Anarumo doesn't know what he's doing with him. And, and on offense, I was going to say I think uh, Billy Price showing some signs of life. Okay, that would be a good one. That would be one where you're like, that's a win. You know, in, in a season that doesn't have actual wins. Yeah. Uh, and I was going to say Joe Mixon, obviously. He had his yeah. best game. But so did Price, and so maybe that's influencing us here. But, uh, yeah, that would be nice if it was Price. I agree. Joe Mixon's a good candidate as well. And I'd like to see Trey Hopkins finish the season strong because he's a great dude. Jay Morrison did a cool interview with him over on The Athletic. He's a substitute teacher in the offseason. Goes and substitute really? teachers for four weeks uh, in, in the summer. Or, yeah, summer. Just Winter, like the old January. days with yeah. these uh, NFL players, we used to have to sell cars and whatnot. Yeah, he says he only does it for four weeks. He, he does it in January. So if the Bengals ever make a postseason run, he's not going to get his substitute <laughs> teaching right. time in. But he, he only gives up so much time before he starts training for the next season again. So that is out over on The Athletic. Trey Hopkins is a guy that he started the season really well. He has struggled a little bit in the last few weeks just as things continue to deteriorate around him. 
And it's also his first year playing full-time yeah. starting snaps. So you, I think 650 snaps or so is the most he's ever played. He's probably getting close to eclipsing that now. Yeah, if he hasn't. 10 games? Well, he probably hasn't quite. Nine, nine games in. He's got to be close, yeah. Yeah. So Trey Hopkins is one. Is there anybody else? John Ross, if he comes back, I would love to see John Ross finish the season the way he started it. But now you right. got Ryan Finley throwing in the ball, so... I didn't take two. But if yeah. they can ever get all these receivers healthy, I'd love to see what the rotation looks like and yeah. maybe just a glimpse of how they would plan to use all of them. Because I keep saying John Ross would be a starter if everyone's healthy because you, you don't put speed on the bench. But would you rotate those guys a yeah. little bit differently? And I think you would. A smart team would. Yeah, I mean, you can create matchup issues with all the top four guys, including Auden yeah. Tate in that group and not Alex Erickson. But Erickson's been good this year too, so I think they would right. pro- probably try to find – you know, seven snaps a game for him or so, a drive or two. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be against that at all. I'd also like to see any semblance of getting Gio Bernard any type of worth on that contract. Not happening. I don't think so either. This, Took him nine weeks, ten yeah. weeks to get Mixon right. So, and if that continues, maybe a flash, who knows. Just looking at the contracts they gave out, they all look just as bad as they did when they signed him. Except John Miller, who we said is a fine move that's going to improve at right guard. He has been better, for the most part, than they were last year at right guard. So, so it's far like this they, season has gone worse out, than we thought. But the contracts they gave out went exactly yeah. as we thought they would. It's kind of like the guys they gave out contracts are the toe-the-line, the company line guys yeah. while they're losing. Like, okay. We need these guys to be the face and be the spokesman. The C.J. Ozamas, the Trey Hopkins, who they kind of did give an extension in the offseason to, uh, even though it was a small one. Giovanni Bernard, you know, you give those because we need these guys to speak for the team while we're just going to blow this year. We need somebody to talk to the media. And it can't be Andy Dalton anymore, by the way, because we're going to bench him unceremoniously to see if Ryan Finley, who can't throw the ball 15 yards on a line, can be our... I'll stop hating on Ryan Finley. He, we'll give him two weeks here. I made the point, I think it was on the crossover, that they got to give him eight games because he's probably the the veteran backup next year. If you have a rookie first overall pick and Ryan Finley, when no one has played, that's probably not great foresight. So if anything, if that ends up happening, we're like, hey, actually, good job, Bengals, giving him eight games of experience. Why not let Jake Dolagala play a quarter each of these games, though, you know? Why I would, not? Yeah. The final two games, let's say. The final last game, maybe. I don't know. But, yeah, I'd like to see Dolagala play at least some some anything. Let him play against a regular season defense, yeah. Let him let him play a quarter. A couple games. They're He's not probably not getting anyway. any snaps. No. And no. You, I don't know if people know this. You don't get any snaps almost as the backup. You may get a few. Andy Dalton was running scout team is simulating uh, Lamar Jackson. I don't know if you saw that uh, report, which is hilarious just to read. But that's, that's what everybody does. Right. That's your snaps. That's how you get active. And, and that's how you can, you know, get your comfortability with the guys around you. Dola Gala is getting nothing. I'm sure yeah. of it. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, we have drifted quite a bit here on this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. So that is going to do it for us. We'll be back. I'll be back Sunday. I guess that means I have to watch the entire entire football game. Yeah, I won't be here for that. Actually, my name, I'll have to see how much of the game I actually get to see because I work midnights this weekend and I'll be at work during the game. All right. That's going to do it for us. I'll be back Sunday with the game recap. 
much to my chagrin. And until then, <laughs> Bengals fans, have a good one.